How are you doing this morning? Good? Good. Good to see you all. Um, anyone want to tell any stories or share a bit about how they have been hospitable to a neighbor or otherwise? Anyone? Raise your hand if you have been more intentional about that uh, over the past several days. Good, good. Yeah, we have too. It's been, God has sent us people, right? Uh, it wasn't that we had to look. We just said, okay, we're open to our neighbors. And boy, did he, <laughs> did he deliver. He does that. He will do that. Speaking of hospitality... When I first came to Beth Tacoon, back in, oh boy, um, either 2009 or 2012, something like that. It was a while ago. More than 2012. It was a while. I was, I was welcomed, certainly, but I was weirded out. Raise your hand if you had a similar experience. Okay, yeah. You're in good company. I was weirded out. I thought... Um, I was, I was curious, and so I wasn't, I wasn't one who was going to be offended in any way by what was going on. I knew it was something different, but it, at the time it was a little too different for me. Uh, it wasn't much different than what we do now. But at the end of that first visit, um, I came with uh, Andy Deacon, actually, who's a guest of Andy's, and I said, good luck with all that. <laughs> and I went back to where I'd been. But a seed had been planted, because of that hospitality, I believe, and because of what I saw, was a group of people who were earnestly seeking to do God's will. Humbly and courageously. So I came back about a year later, almost to the day, and because of my own past and upbringing, I wanted to know exactly what to do. Right? I wanted to have it laid out for me, this is what you do, this is how you pray, this is the things you wear, this is the time you come, this is the da 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 right? I wanted to know. So I was like, okay, I'm all in, I want to be part of you, I want to belong, so what do I do? Crickets. They wouldn't answer my question. It was so annoying. <laughs> I, just, just tell me, like, what do I got to do? And one of the best advice I got was, and you've probably heard this too, walk, don't, run. I was unsettled. I knew I, was, I had found a place that I could call home, but I wanted to start just digging my house, clearing a foundation, building the walls, getting it ready, right? I wanted to do that right away, straight away, so that I could rest. But that was not what I needed. And I don't think it's what most people need when they come. I found out later on that I had this hidden need, hidden to me, a hidden need for halakha. Do you know what halakha is? Raise your hand if you know what halakha is. Okay. So halakha, let's define it. Halakha, the way of walking comes from the root word halak. To walk. Okay? Just walking. Walking, going, traveling. It's the way of walking. I needed a way to walk. 
a way to walk out this life. But what are we trying to walk out? So any, any discussion about halakha, we have to talk first about the commands, the mitzvot. So here is a great website that I'd seen a while back, um, but I just revisited it this week. It's called the, the 613commandments.com, and it is a messianic resource. It is a searchable database of the 613 commandments as accounted by Maimonides, 613 in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Torah, 613commandments.com. It'll tell you the literal command in the uh, New American Standard, what Messiah says about it. Uh, if you click again to the next slide, the pictures of Messiah in the command, how Messiah fulfilled it. And then on the right-hand side, you see some more details about it, the Greek and the English. And then at the very bottom, you say, can we fulfill today? Yes. It's a good resource. Another resource is something I'm building. It's, in, it's a rough draft, so if you were to look at this and see something wrong, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not, I'm not done with it. There are some mistakes, I'm sure. But I wanted to build out a searchable, sortable database of the 613 commands in, in the Torah. Searchable by number. The number on the left here is the Maimonides number of 613. What the, what the commandment is. The reference, so you can search it by reference. You can see, okay, what commandments... Do you know how many commandments there are in Chaye Serah, this week's portion? Any guesses? Zero. There are no commandments in this week's portion. You can find that out by going here. There is a positive or negative command, whether it's a do or do not. Is it applicable now, yes or no? To whom is it applicable, whether it's all people, Jewish people, Jewish men, Jewish women, all women, all men, Levites, the king, the high priest, the Kohen, all these different delineations will be there. And then where? Is it everywhere? Is it in the land? Is it in the temple? We'll be able to sort through this. Now, this has been quite an undertaking, and I need a hand with it. So if you're interested in helping me finish this out, <laughs> talk to me after service today, and I'll get you access to this Google Sheet. It's, been, it's actually been quite enjoyable to go through and try to find and sort out mitzvot by mitzvot. Okay, is this applicable? Literally or in the, in, more in the, the spiritual and mystical? Who does it apply to? Where does it apply and why? So again, if you want to help me with that, I could use the help. All right, so let's go to a, 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 the one passage we're really going to focus on. It's just one verse. It's Ruth 1, verse 16. <clears throat> Ruth 1, 16. Ruth 1.16 states, so I'll start in 15. Then she, Ruth, said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her... Oh, no, this is Ruth. Oh, this is Naomi. Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, 
my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. Where you go, I will go. Um, other translations may, may say something a little different. I think this was the New American Standard. Does anyone else who has their Bible open have a different wording that they want to share? No? Okay, so it's, it's a little different. But let's, let's look at the Hebrew here. Uh, for, where, for where you go, I will go is ki el asher telki elek. Ki el asher telki elek. Asher is one of those words that's everywhere in the Hebrew Scripture. It's a very, very common word, asher. But that word asher, something interesting about that is it's kind of translated here as where, but that may not be the best Translation. Asher is used often as what, or which, or because, or that. Where it can be used as that, but I think that there's something deeper here that Ruth is telling Naomi, and not just about a destination. Now, the Telki Elek, this is... These share the root word halak. Both of these words, telki, elek, halak. They're both about walking, going. What's important to note about these is that they're in the imperfect tense, which is more concerned with how than when. It's something that is open-ended and continuous, correct? Ongoing. It is ongoing. Ki el asher tel ki elek. For where you go, I will go. And the reason why I will go is usually selected as a translation for something ongoing. It's because it's, it's future. Future is always future. And so that's, that's the choice that's being made here by making it I will go, something in the future. But I think there is a better translation, or, an, or let's say alternate translation, at least for our discussion this morning about halakha, and that is this. For what you are walking, I will be walking. How you do what you do, I will do it too. Ongoing. This is about halakha. This is about the way of being a people, the way of being attached to Naomi and her family, her tribe, her people, her nation. I will do what you do. For what you are walking, I will be walking. Does that make sense? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Hmm. Yeah. For those of you who couldn't hear, Sharon brings a great point up. This is about the reason for the walking. 
The same command was given to Abraham, lech lecha. Go when you go. When you go, go. It is about leaving one place and going to somewhere new. And this life is about a constant leaving a place and going to somewhere new. We will never arrive until when? When will we arrive? When Messiah returns, that is when we will have arrived in our land with our people, our tribe, our family. That's when it will be finished. Until then, what you are walking, I will be walking. Yes, Tina. Is that, did you hear her, Sharon? Kala? Bread? For bread? Bride, too, for bride? That's interesting. Different. Oh, different letter. Okay, okay. Well, we'll talk about that, and we'll get you an answer. <laughs> What I found when I came to Betacoon years ago, and, and you know, Betacoon, we're pretty, we're pretty good. We're not perfect, but we're pretty good. What I found was that when people, when I see people walking as God's people, it attracts. What they were doing, what they were doing, how they were doing it, their halakha, our halakha, was was foreign to me. It was unusual. Uh, maybe a little bit uncomfortable for me, but because I was curious and knew this was a new thing, this was not where I was, this was somewhere else. The desire that people have, the desire you have for fulfilling God's will in your halakha, if it is born out of love, it will attract people. It will not repel. Insisting on a particular way to walk, will repel. Being about the way, being about the halakha, will repel. I said this a couple weeks ago, I think. Yeshua, Jesus, was not about dying on the cross. That's not what he was about. What was he about? Doing God's will. He was about doing God's will. And God had ordained a certain way to do that for him. But it wasn't the way that he was about. It was following God's will. Following God's will, when we do that, our halakha, if, if it's because we want to do his will, our halakha will be light. It will be goodness. It will, it will bring people. They will see it and want to know. But if we, again, insist on a certain way of doing it as the only way, it will be empty. There will be no light or substance. And someone will go elsewhere. Today we're having a book sale. Just kidding. We're not selling these. <laughs> Does anyone know what these are? Yeah? Yeah? The Babylonian Talmud. Raise your hand if you have no idea what that is. Okay, that's fine. This is halakha. To give you 
perspective here. This is a Torah. This is a, a volume of the Torah that's just a Torah. No commentary, nothing else. Just a Hebrew-English. Here's the Torah. Oh, upside down. Here it is. This are all the questions and discussions asked and answered about this. And this isn't even a full set. We're missing a few. What do you see? Initially, what do you see when you, when you look at that? How do you feel when you see that? Overwhelming? Okay. Is that what? No, yeah, Karen? Beautiful? It is a very nice set. Afterwards, you can come up and get, look at it. Get a selfie with it. Anything else? Overwhelming, beautiful, yeah. If you read a page a day, front and back, it would take you seven years to get through the Babylonian Talmud. Okay. Coming from a legalistic background, a, a denomination that was very much about this is the only way, everything is clear in Scripture, this is the way, this is not the way. When I, when I see this, I initially when I saw this, I'm just like, ah, no, like, please, Lord, save me. This, my perspective then was that this was just too much. And actually... Actually, it is too much. <laughs> Years ago, when uh, Rabbi Ariel Cohen Aloro came to visit our area, we went and visited with him at a home um, out in, it was in, uh, I can't remember where they lived, where the Walters lived. Anyway, we went and visited. He came and visited and answered some questions. And one of the gentlemen there at one point said, Rabbi, this was before we all came to, to talk to the rabbi. I said, Rabbi, isn't there too much halakha? What, what do we do? What do we do? And he said, yes, there is, there is too much halakha. There is absolutely too much halakha. Too many rulings, too many rules, too many ways of doing things. And then he was asked, but so, so what do we do? Do we, just, do we get rid of the halakha? And he said, No. If we did, we would not have our religion. But when Yeshua comes, when Messiah returns, we will have no more need for any of this. It will be clear as day how to be. What I see when I look at this now is, oh, no, go back. What I see when I look at this now is not burden, is not anything overwhelming. I see an insatiable hunger to know how it is to do God's will. I see the documented wrestling with God's will. I see questions not held back, questions asked, debated, answered, and then asked again and debated again and answered and then corrected and then answered 
And it, this is inspiring to me. This is the kind of hunger his people should have for doing his will. So never, ever stop asking questions. There was a while back when we, it was probably during the lockdowns when we started, started not asking questions in our gatherings. And I miss that. Do you miss that? I miss that. So I will not stop you from raising your hand unless time dictates I can't. But never stop asking questions about what we do or why we do it. Next slide. Oh, what do you think when you see that? Tovu vavohu, you what? Computer screen, first something's wrong. (laughs) Remember when this is what you would see when you turn on a TV? A lot of you are too young for that, but to see this when you, yeah, yeah, right? The static. This, raise your hand if you actually like this. Okay, no, no, you don't. <laughs> no, it's all right. There are a, a, a very special few who do, but this, this is something, this is gray. We naturally do not like gray. I'm not just talking about the color, because obviously we picked some nice new gray chairs because <laughs> it looked good, but we don't like gray. The Jewish people really don't like gray. Because it's like sin, you may have you may be onto something there. <laughs> Do you remember uh, Richard Scarry books? Yeah. Next slide. Richard Scarry. I loved these books growing up. My sister got some of these for my kids too, so they can have. Jeffrey, you know this book, right? Remember this book? Yeah. Yeah, this is a good book. It is, imagine, imagine if this is how God gave us the picture of how it is to, to live life as his people. It's chaos, but you can see clearly everything. If you take time, you can go, okay, there is a surprised dog cop. There is a cat on a little um, go-kart there at the bottom. There's a hitchhiker raccoon, looks like. You could go through and very slowly and methodically see clearly every part of the picture. Can you not? It's fascinating, too. It's a joy to look at these and to read these and see our kids actually pick out the things before you do. But this is not how God gave us his instruction, did he? Next slide. It's more like this. There are parts that are absolutely 100% clear No question. There are others that are a little blurry, but there's at least some color, and you can tell, okay, I can't see what the rest of that red thing is, but I think it's probably either a race car or a fire truck. And over here, I see this yellow part. That's probably just the top of his backpack. But there's this gray thing in the middle there that I can kind of, if I get far enough out, maybe I can... And squint a little, I can make out, okay, yeah, that, that looks like a big watermelon, maybe, in the middle. 
or a car upside down on the bottom right. You get the idea. There are some people, again, who, who, will, who will look at Scripture and they'll be like, oh, it's all clear. Everything I know exactly what he's saying, know what to do. No. <laughs> it has not been my experience. It is not very clear. And there is a reason for that. In fact, there are two reasons for that. Gray, unclear things, it compels you and me to grow by requiring us to put forth effort in searching and by making us comfortable with uncertainty, with mystery. We've got, we've got to grow up, figure it out, test it, ask questions, pray, wonder, and accept that we may be wrong. So the gray helps us grow. Once we do that, the gray then obligates us to what each other Love each other. Because what I decide is in the bottom middle there might not be what you decide is in the bottom middle there. And I've got to love you anyway. Because we both want to figure out what the picture is. We all want to figure out what God's will is. And we must, as individuals, wrestle with that and come to a kind of conclusion as best we can. We offer each other grace by accepting that others will choose to obey a little differently. And we should be kind to each other by giving them room to grow. I hope that's what we do here. I know it's what we have done here. And so we all need to be diligent in making sure this Environment, this culture is one that does that, that allows for the gray. Walk, don't run. I'm not going to tell you how to wear your tzitzit. You've got to pray about it. I'm not going to tell you how to pray. I'm not going to tell you how to do a lot of things. You, who I presume wants to do God's will out of love for him, will come to these questions and find the answers. Not alone. We have resources. We can lean on this. We can lean on each other. We can, lean, we can fill the room with books that have been written about how it is to be God's people. So what do I do with the gray is a question you should ask. What do, what, do I, what do I do with the gray? And also, what do I do? How do I treat others as they are also figuring out what to do with the gray? There's a lot of gray. The challenge is, of course, to discern what halakha is for you, your family, for our community, our congregation. And then we have a responsibility to put forth our best effort 
our best effort, not to get it perfect, but to put forth the effort. And God will bless that. He will bless your effort. He will honor the effort you made to do your best to fulfill the commands out of love for him and for others. Halakha in the New Testament. We're in Acts right now, and we just, the last uh, Acts teaching, we were in Acts 10 with the vision of the sheet, right? Which we realize and, and learn, of course, is not at all about what? Food. It's not at all about food. It's about halakha, actually. Peter had to be shown that the, uh, the, the law, the halakha, that demanded he not go into the home of a Gentile was not fulfilling God's will. It was not doing God's will. And so Peter had to learn a new halakha. He had to learn not to call anyone, any man unclean. Paul, the Apostle Paul, said he was a Jew to the Jew and a Greek to the Greek. What does that mean? That means that he did not let his halakha get in the way of connecting with who he needed to connect with to minister to them, to love them. He would, he, in Greek company, no one would think he was an outsider. Unless, well, I saw, <laughs> I saw your look. Well, he was, he, was, he was doing God's will. But if his halakha made anyone be uncomfortable... In the different settings, do you track with me there? Or, yeah, 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 what you, what's that? Never without the law of God. Absolutely right. Doing God's will, he would do his. He would do God's will. But if his halakha, his way of doing it, would have gotten in the way of his ministering to people, he put it aside. He was a Jew to the Jew, and a Greek to the Greek. Yeshua in Matthew fifteen nine describes that it is vanity to teach commands, teach as commands the traditions of men. If you are going to make your halakha, your way of doing things, let's just say, for example, we have to worship in a building with pews. Changing out the chairs here caused a stir, has caused stirs in many congregations, let's put it that way. But replacing pews with chairs... That's kind of halakha. It may not have to do with a, a command, but maybe it did. Maybe a long time ago it was determined, okay, we are commanded to assemble. This is how we assemble in a building, in pews, facing a, a podium with a speaker and a band and a soundboard and all the things, right? So it, this, this kind of grows and grows and grows into the halakha, the way we walk it out. And that when you change that, if you don't realize what it is you're doing, changing out pews for chairs could be uh, really unsettling. Which seems silly, but raise your hand if you've been close to or involved in congregations that have split or have been disrupted for other similar small things. Yeah, we all have. Yeah. Again, because we... Like, like when I came to BT for the first time, I had this hidden need for halakha. I didn't, I didn't know it. That's what it was. 
I had this need to be told what to do, how to do it. And I would, I would latch onto that and protect it and spread the gospel of that way of doing things. And that's not healthy. We want to avoid that. So let me give you an example. Um, uh, Rebecca, would you go out and grab the tzitzit cart for me? <clears throat> or the uh, talit cart? And just wheel that up here. Every Shabbat when we gather, I put out, or David or someone will put out, our talit cart. Thank you very much. How many, how many are here? Are there 30? No. Are there two? No. There's actually 12. That's, we didn't pick that because it's a holy number or anything, but there's 12 here, and there are even less kippot. I will never stand up here, and neither did Grant, but leadership will never stand up here and say, this is the way you fulfill the command to wear the tzitzit. Men, you must put on a talit when you come here to pray. I will never say that. There's not enough here for all you men anyway. What I will say is this. If you love the Lord, if you want to do his will, and you are led to fulfill the command to wear the tzitzit in this way, here you go. Here some are. If you decide to do it in a different way, God bless you. Again, we go back to the, the need to love each other. David's sheep were spotted, speckled, and striped. They were different. But he shepherded them all. In the gray, there are many ways to wear tzitzit. How I decide to do it is something that I have to decide. And then if I see someone else doing it differently, I must love him. Another example. Our Torah service, when we're up here, um, and this is something I'll probably talk a little bit about some other time, but when we're up here, we do some things very traditionally. Uh, even in our prayer service on Shabbat, we have some traditional ways of doing things, some halakhic ways of doing prayers, and service. Like, for example, it is traditional to carry the Torah scroll on the right shoulder. When you're holding it, you have it on the right shoulder. If someone were carrying it on the left, would I run up to them and smack them upside the head? No. I might say afterward, hey, just so you know, it's traditional to wear it on the right. Standing up while the scroll is brought out, while the scroll is not at rest, we are not at rest. That is traditional. That's halakhic. If you don't stand up, am I going to walk out there and kick you in the shin? No. Touching the scroll as it passes around with your right hand and kissing it. That's tradition. That's halakha. If you don't do it, is there something wrong with you? No. Saying Yeshua instead of Jesus. 
That's halakhic. When we do our Torah service, I ask, and the leaders ask, that when we talk during that formal service, we do say Yeshua. Out of respect and deference to our king. But if you're out and about talking to people, witnessing, ministering to them, and Jesus slips out, that's okay. (laughs) I say that because I have struggled with that. I know that if I were to... There are are moments when I have contemplated which one should I say because I don't want anyone I'm talking to to shut the door. Right? To close down, to think that I am too other from them. And so I've got to make a split-second decision. Which which one is... ah, Grace. As leaders, we want to keep the absolutes few. If this represents, if this is a picture of all the gray things that, that we could as a congregation say, okay, we're going to start making some decisions. This is how you do that. This is how you do this. When you come here, wear this. Da, 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 da. If, that's, if that represents all that we could as leaders set halakha for, what my hope is, and I think this, I, I, sh- I know I share this with the leaders, is that we will decide to select halakha for about this much of it, like a half an inch. That's how much halakha we should probably, we probably need, and that's all. Because we know that this, that the gray is good. The gray helps you grow. It helps you to love each other. As our children grow, we don't, we don't just give them the answers all the time. They've got to work for it. They've got to learn things. If we fed them everything, they would never grow. And they would remain boys and girls forever. And that's not what we want. That's not what we're trying to do. So, a couple questions. Next slide. What are we about? Are we about Christianity plus the Torah? Or are we about Judaism plus Yeshua? Or is there a third option? We are not about those. We are about Yeshua and Torah. And because of that, we should be able to step out. We have. We have had to step out of our religious contexts, whether it's Judaism or Christian, to step out of those, to be only about Yeshua and Torah. And when we do that, we can look objectively at the halakha we've known, the halakha we haven't, and find the ways in which we can best do God's will from those. That, that I think, is the most appropriate and most respectful and honest way of being messianic people. Next slide. So what are we doing? What what is it that we do? Is it the goal to be doing the same thing or the goal to be moving in the same direction? Obviously, moving in the same direction. 
Again, we offer each other grace. If I see, if I see you fu- trying to fulfill a command in a way that you earnestly believe is right, I will love you. And I will love that you are doing your best, putting forth your best effort to do it out of love. And it's in, a, and it's in an environment like this where we don't have a lot of halakha, where we don't have a lot of things saying you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. It is unsettling. It is uncomfortable. You'll feel like a balloon untethered and just floating around going, okay, where, where do I land on this? Okay, here's something that I can do. Okay, I will do the Shema every morning. Okay, and then what else? And I'll do this. And like, oh, okay, all right. Now I'm, now I'm figuring out some things, how I can do God's will, how I can be a holy people. And if we look around, hopefully we'll see that we're all moving in the same direction. Next slide. I'm a visual thinker, a visual processor. And this is kind of how I picture us moving forward. We all come in at different points, right? We're, we're all, some of us are a little farther down. Some of us aren't quite as far down. Some of us are yellow. Some are purple or blue or green. It's not uniform at all. The only thing that the, all of these paths, all these lines and structures have in common is what? The, the focal point, that vanishing point, right? And what is that vanishing point? If this is a, if this is a, if this is a uh, visualization of history, of your life, what is that focal point? What does that, that, that vanishing point represent? Getting to Yeshua? Yeah. Being with our groom. Being with him. Earlier we said, halakha will no longer be necessary when Messiah returns. Until then, we are moving in the same direction. We are wrestling with the same questions, coming up with some varied answers. But over time, I believe... In human history, even, there will be a coming together. It may take longer than we like, right? It'll take at least our lifetime to figure out some of these commands. But over time, there is a coming together, and eventually we'll start to maybe look the same. Maybe when he returns, we will all be doing it the exact same way. Before he returns. After he does, we'll we'll know. It'll be clear. Oh, this is how you do it. Great. But until then, we're just trying to figure it out. God will honor our effort, and we need to give each other grace to do that too. What is the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul. Strength and love your neighbor as yourself. On, on these hang all the law and prophets. Start there. Start there. If what you're doing, if what, how you decide to, to walk out a command 
is not born of love for God and love for others, stop doing it. Put it aside. Step back. Reevaluate. Reassess. Relight the fire of love in you. Next slide. Love. Relight the fire of love in you. And try again. And maybe it's the same way. Maybe it's the same halakha. But there has to be love in it. Or it is empty. Agreed? Yeah. I love you. And I know you love each other. And we're going to get there. Eventually. We just have to love. I'll close with this. I've been reading to our children the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, yeah. It's been good. You can turn it back to that. Oh, where'd the love go? The love is gone. Oh, the love is gone. It was so nice when I was here. (laughs) There it is. I've been reading to them the Chronicles of Narnia. We're on book six, uh, The Silver Chair. We've got one more to go. And they've been really great. Um, at listening, because I'm really reading it for myself. <laughs> if I'm honest, it's a lot of fun. So I'm in this mode of thinking about things as a narrative, uh, and especially thinking of things as a fantasy narrative. So I wrote, I wrote this uh, little story as I was thinking and praying about Halakha and and the journey that we're on together. And it's not a it's not a perfect story. It's not. Uh, it's got some. Uh, I need I need an editor. Maybe David, if you could help me edit this. Later. Okay. I call this Hamakom Reshon, the first place. Like so many human beings before us, we left the land of our birth. While we love the people and much of the way of life, we no longer felt at home there. And we could no longer ignore the pull to something other, something deeper, clearer, bigger. So we set out into the vast, wide ocean because that's where deeper, clearer, bigger things are in prayer and with hope. Most of us set out from the same land, some from the same port, and a few on the same ship. But we were all in search of the great something somewhere we could not name. We are not unique in this. This is what humans do. En route to the destination we could not name, we found respite when we happened upon an island. It was an island we had once heard about and that we thought belonged to another people, the people across the sea. It was a good place to drop anchor, And it seemed vacant. So we decided to rest and refuel there. Since there wasn't much else to do, we decided to have a look around. And picture in your mind, Swiss Family Robinson at this moment. (laughs) Yet upon exploring this seemingly uninhabited foreign isle between the continents, we found it strangely familiar. Then we started seeing things we recognized though it was filled with the fragments of a society we were never a part of, remnants of an ancient culture that thrived in a forgotten time, 
we sensed that we were somehow a part of it. So in our perplexed curiosity, we cleared the overgrowth from the ruins, identifying the forms and structures of it as if we had lived there long ago. Not everything we see is familiar, but so much of it is. Even the missing pieces we can see in our mind's eye. Somehow we know that this over here was a great hall. That over there was the throne room. A market square filled the level ground downhill from us, and the children played their games just a little to our right. Inherited memories that were, until this very moment, hidden from us, flood our recollection. We always thought this island belonged to the people across the sea. But maybe it was ours all along. Or perhaps we shared it. Continuing on, we find we are not alone here. Other travelers who came from across the sea, the ones we thought were the owners, and who landed on the opposite side of the island, also find this small land as perplexing as we do. We stare at each other, not knowing what to make of the other's presence here, but we're each more interested in why this feels so much like home. By some ancient magic, if I can call it that, it feels more home than home. The best words we can find to describe it is the first place. The home of homes, our true home. Equal parts foreign and familiar, the beginning of many lands, and because of its fundamental nature, we know we cannot go back to our former home or to any other new home. This is our journey's end, and it was always going to be. This is not a rest stop along the path to parts unknown for us. This place was the beginning of all journeys, the first place, and it is the journey's end. It is the going out place, and it is the coming back place. So we are now its caretakers. Together, we're humbly restoring it to its former glory, leaning on one another as we discern and discover more and more of its original design and purpose, all while preparing it for any and all who find themselves landing on these shores. For they will come, just as we did. And we must be ready to welcome them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. You are a good God. You are a good Father. You are a good teacher. And your grace is amazing. We pray, Father, that we will earnestly seek you, your face. That we will love you and love others. And that all we do as individuals, as households, as a congregation as part of the wider community of your kingdom, that we will be about that. That we will love you 
love your word, love the living word, love our neighbor, our brother, our sister, our coworker. We will love others. We will be your love in the world. I pray, Father, that as you continue to make us into the people you want us to be, that we'll be able to look up from side to side and see that we are moving in the same direction. That we'll have grace for each other. We will give each other strength, encouragement, and welcome. And that we will be a place where people can come to feel at home. A place where they can look straight through to you, your will, your love for us. And not be turned off or repelled by the ways in which we, as in our physical nature, we tend to latch on to. Help us to let go. Let go and be yours. Thank you, God, for the brevity of your word. Thank you for the clarity and for the gray. Thank you that you give us time to grow and that you surround us with people who love us and who will help us walk this out. Thank you for your Yeshua, our master, our savior, our king, our rabbi, our teacher. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.